Michigan with an impressive win over Rutgers High School. Harbaugh admits his squad might have some speed, and we look at contender or pretender weekend. I'm Adam Amble, and this is the M Factor. Welcome back, Michigan fans, for episode five of the M Factor. We will recap that incredible win of that over that varsity squad from Rutgers High School. Harbaugh realizes he's got some players with some speed, finally. And we preview the big one this Saturday with the Hawkeyes coming to town. But first, make sure you head on over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or SoundCloud and subscribe to the M Factor. Make sure to leave us a review and, as always, a five-star rating to help skyrocket the M-Factor in the rankings so us Wolverine fans can take over the college football podcast world. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. I really appreciate it. Let's keep Season 2 just rocking and rolling. I really appreciate everyone's support, so let's get the episode going. We'll get right into it. Yes, Michigan look like the team we expected to see at the start of the season, but let's pump the brakes a little bit because it was against a team that has not had a Big Ten win since 2017, folks, and really has no real business being in the Big Ten Football League. I don't know why they continue to think they belong in this league. I understand that Rutgers brings a lot of East Coast publicity, but it's just embarrassing now in football. And basketball, I mean, they are a little competitive in basketball, but Football, I mean, you know, Notre Dame is in a, what are they? The It's the ACC. They're in basketball league, the ACC, and football, they're still independent. So it is possible to not be in a conference for a couple of your sports, right? So I do know that they, they do bring a little bit of East Coast coverage and everything, but that said, Michigan did show me a few things, regardless of the talent they were actually playing. They showed me some things that were promised before the season, and they showed me some very promising things after that embarrassment last weekend or the weekend before against Wisconsin. But first, let's roll over the box scores for the game and team stats. Michigan wins 52 to nothing, a nice shutout for the defense, but let's keep in mind, folks, I'm going to say this all, all of this first segment. It's against Rutgers. I'm sure you guys have been hearing it all week long. I know I have. Yes, we know it's against Rutgers. It's still a Division One football team, but let's face it, Rutgers is probably the worst team that we've played all year. In fact, their coach got fired the day after, or uh, last Sunday, the day after Michigan just absolutely destroyed them. First down, Michigan dominated 28-10. to 10. No, we were one for one on fourth down efficiency. Finally, we were able to convert on a third down, so that's great. Six of 11. Total yards, 476. Rutgers only with 152. Passing, Shea Patterson with a great game, 335 yards. Passing and 106 for Rutgers. Obviously, those weren't all Shea Patterson's yards, but he did have a great game. I think he had, like, we'll get into his individual stats here in a bit, but 276, I think Shea had. Again, we'll get into that, but uh, interceptions, he did have that one, so Michigan did have an interception. And really, Rutgers only had the one turnover, but before that, let's get into rushing. 46 yards for Rutgers. That's just that's just awful. Michigan, 141 yards, so that's pretty solid. 3.4 yards per attempt. That is one of the 
more interesting or letdown facts of this game. We're still only averaging 3.4 yard. We only averaged 3.4 yards per carry in this game. I'm sorry, folks. That's not going to cut the mustard against any sort of real team. Obviously, we saw it against Wisconsin. We saw it against Army. Uh, that's just that is not good. We we need to really pick it up. I thought our offensive line was supposed to be the cream of the crop this year. They continue to struggle up front. It's going to be a big problem this Saturday against Iowa. But let's get back into the team stats. Penalties. Rutgers with nine for 70 yards. Michigan, not a bad game, six for 35 yards. Time of possession, pretty even, 30-41 for the Wolverines to 29-19. Nothing really stands out except for the total yards. Our defense was phenomenal, but I'm going to reiterate it. It's Rutgers, folks. It's Rutgers. Let's, let's, just, let's just hold up a little bit here. I know most of you know this, so I, I will keep saying it, and hopefully it doesn't get annoying, but we all know it is Rutgers. So the team stats, I, I think we should have won by more if we're, if we're really going to uh, really judge Rutgers on what they are and how terrible they are. I really think Michigan should have scored in the 70s. I mean, they've done it before, right? But let's get into some of the individual stats, and here's where we can really break it down for the Wolverines. Shea Patterson, really good game. Good to see him coming back. 17 of 23, 276 yards with a touchdown. Did have that one interception, which was kind of disturbing. Got got away from him. He's got to limit these turnovers. That's I mentioned it last week. This is the main thing with Shea this year is his turnovers, fumbles, fumbles and interceptions. His QBR was 95.4, so really good. But guess who came into the game? Actually had a better QBR, 98.7. That was Joe Milton, three for four. 59 yards. He also had a TD, but those, those he didn't have an interception, and that's huge. That's just huge. Uh, he absolutely outplayed uh, uh, Shea Patterson and Joe Belton. Both outplayed Arthur Sitkowski for Rutgers. It was 17 of 24. is 106 yards. It's embarrassing. For the Wolverines in rushing, it was Christian Turner leading the way. 11 carries, 48 yards. Haskins, 9 carries for 45 yards. Alday Charbonnet, 5 carries for 22 yards. And we had a cut true Wilson finally back in the game with four carries for 13 yards. That was pretty much the running back statistics. Shea Patterson did have four carries for four yards, but don't forget some of the, the sacks actually affect that. Joe Milton did have two carries for a yard, but I'll tell you what this, that, like I said, our rushing yards was rather disturbing. We needed a lot. Uh, we, we should have had many, many more yards against this Rutgers this Rutgers varsity high school team, basically it, it I, I know they didn't need it. I know I get it, but at the same time, you have to expect a little more, especially when this offensive line was touted as being as good as it was supposed to be. I have not seen that yet, folks. I know against army Charbonnet had to carry the ball 33 times in order to get triple digits, right. In order to get his a hundred yards. I know he had a solid game against middle Tennessee, but come on guys. I don't know what's going on there. It's not like there there's a major injury on the squad, but this is this is not good. They need to pick it up. Hopefully they they get a little bit of motivation over the last week because they're going to need it against Iowa as I mentioned earlier. Let's move on to the receiving core. It was Ronnie Bell leading the way. Some, uh, some great receptions there. Six receptions, 83 yards. DPJ, it's good to see him back in the mix. I think he'll be ready to go against Iowa personally. Four receptions, 62 yards. Nico Collins had two receptions, 59 yards, including that nice touchdown. 
right off the bat, our other touchdown from the wide receiving crew was Giles Jackson. Good to see that. Uh, Michigan fumbles again. We did we did recover one fumble. That was Mike Sansterill with the recovery. Let's shift over to the defense. Kalik Hudson with another monster game. Seven tackles. Quiddy Pay six tackles. Hawkins with five. Dono with four. Uche Hill. Metellus Barrett all had four tackles as well. So that was uh, it was a solid game for the defense. But Rutgers. That's all I'm gonna say. Rutgers. We did have a couple sacks. Uh, Quiddy Pay with 1.5 sacks. O'Shea had a half a sack. That was, you know, it's still, I just didn't see it. You know, a lot of Michigan fans kind of jumped on the bandwagon of we're back. We've recovered. We, we got everything where we want to be for Iowa. I'm just not seeing it, guys, especially from the stats. I've reviewed these stats many times. I've watched the game a few times on replay. I was able to watch it in Denver and... I'll tell, I watch it live in Denver, and I'll tell you what, I just was not too impressed, especially against Rutgers. This is, don't get me wrong, there's some things I'll go over. I'll go over some end factors that you guys will probably like, but in terms of the stats, nothing really sticks out. I'm glad to see DPJ back there returning the punts. He had three for 18 yards. Again, he only had a 10-yard. He was supposed to be one of our more, he's still one of our more athletic and speedsters on the squad besides uh besides hill who i'll get into in a little bit but overall let me get into the game thoughts and or game you know my my recap of the game is it it was good to see them come together it's it you know i can get off the stats i'll get off all of the the analytics it was good to see them come together that's something that's been lacking they just have played without any emotion the last or the the first three games and uh they just didn't see it. You know, last year, like I mentioned, Chase Winovich brought them all together, but they just don't seem to have that leader this year. I still don't see it, especially after Rutgers. They, they got to get someone that just steps up and takes the brunt of any sort of negativity. But And when it's positive, steps up and brings everyone else with him. They just don't have that right now. However, they did seem to come together as a team. This could be the wake of the... the Wisconsin game could have been the wake-up call that they needed. This seems to be the M.O. of Michigan over the last, what, especially in the Harbaugh era, to where there's a game to where they just don't look that great, and then boom, they just come right back. Last year, it luckily was the Notre Dame game, which was the first game of the season, right? But I just don't like the fact that they have a non-go-to guy like they did in Winovich last year. However, I did feel that they... They looked more enthusiastic. They were they were having a good time on the sideline. Of course, it's easy to say when you're winning, but they showed emotion finally. They showed emotion. Remember I told you that the Wisconsin game I noticed on the sideline where there was no there was no one getting in each other's faces. They were all just kind of standing there, almost like zombies, it seemed like. And that was very disturbing for me against Wisconsin. But you just never know how these kids will react. Don't forget, they still are youngins, they're still kids. We just don't know how they'll react after a loss or after a big win. You know, they could have reacted totally differently. Like I mentioned, I thought this Rutgers game could have been a letdown game if they would have played amazingly and beat Wisconsin a couple weekends ago. So that was it was good to see them, how they reacted to a big loss. I think we kind of got lucky with the scheduling because it was Rutgers, right? It was a big game for Shea Patterson. He possibly loses his job as a quarterback at Michigan to Milton or McCaffrey when he returns. 
if he continued to turn the ball over. If he had a couple fumbles against Rutgers, I feel Milton's in the game. Harbaugh's, I think Harbaugh's just done with that. Harbaugh, Gaddis, I think they're just done with with the turnovers from our supposed, you know, he's he's our lead, he should be our leader. He's our senior quarterback. Come on, Shay, you can't turn the ball over. He did have that one interception, not terrible, so he, at least he held on to the ball and there was no fumbles, but he could. He was right on the edge, and I thought he responded exactly how a senior should at Michigan. You're the QB at the University of Michigan. You can't turn the ball over. Don't lose the game. Remember Brian Greasy back in 97? He was not a flashy quarterback. And in fact, his stats were terrible. You know what he didn't do? Lose the game for Michigan. Always kept us in it. He's He always, always would make a play when you needed him to. But he was not flashy, and guess what? He never lost the game for us. I've mentioned that on multiple podcasts, on multiple episodes, the fact that we just need someone to not lose the game for us. Our defense is kind of picking it up a little bit. Uh, again, it was Rutgers. We'll see against Iowa this Saturday. It's a big game against Iowa. I can't wait to get into it. So as I continue, Milton looked really solid with some mop-up time. I got to say that. So that's got to that's gotta light the fire under Shea a little bit. And goodness, what a cannon he has. I bring that up every time I watch Milton. He has an absolute cannon. It is awesome. I can't wait to I, – I do like McCaffrey, but, boy, McCaffrey's got to stay healthy. This is two injuries in the last two years, two kind of major injuries. I mean, I know he took a cheap shot against Wisconsin, but, boy, Milton, the, the future looks bright with these two quarterbacks, assuming they don't transfer. I hope they don't because they got a bright future ahead of them at Michigan. I also liked some of the other young guys getting some reps. I'll get into this a little bit later. It was kind of my second my my second topic of Harbaugh realizing all of a sudden that he's got some young speed on this team. Like I said, I'll get into that. So let me talk about the M factors for this game. First and foremost, terrible Rutgers team, right? Absolutely terrible. This was expected. Uh, I mean, I, I was happy with how they played, but like I said, the stats did not show a dominant performance except for the score, which is all that matters. I know, guys. But this is a terrible Rutgers team. This this might have been the worst I've ever seen. In, I don't know what they're ranked now. I mean, they are 1-3. and three. They do have a win, but at the same time, just ridiculous. They, Rutgers has to figure something out. I don't know if they fit in the Big Ten football conference. It's just, it's kind of, it sucks for their players. It sucks for their coaches. It sucks for their fans. I hope they figure something out. I really do. My second M factor is scoring on that first drive. Finally, I think this is huge for these young, especially the younger guys. I think this this is the first game they they got to play with, with not having to play from behind right off the bat. They came down great pass to Nico Collins, Collins with a nice move to score right off the bat and I think that set the tempo I think that set the the rest of the story of the game granted again it was against Rutgers but I still think that that is very important if they can come out against Iowa and score really quick and or at least first we'll say first not even quick I'm gonna I'm gonna say if they can score first I think the defense responds to that better I think the coaching staff responds to that better which they shouldn't they should be able to play from behind or ahead right and I think the young guys on offense play a lot better. And sadly, I think Shea Patterson plays better. I really do. 
which is not good as a senior quarterback. You need to, if you're going to be a starting quarterback, a senior, second year starter, come on, Chase, you got to be able to play from behind because you're going to have to. You got Penn State on that list. You got Notre Dame on that schedule. You got Ohio State at the end of the season. Uh, you got Iowa this weekend. You are not going to be able to, you can't rely on being ahead or starting off with the lead. If you do, great. I love it. That's fantastic. But you cannot afford to just lay down and die if you get behind. I think they did against Middle Tennessee State. Luckily, Middle Tennessee State, not nearly the team that Wisconsin is. Army, guess what? Army should have won that game, guys. We are a field goal away from being, what, 2-2 two and two now? We are a field goal away from being 2-2. Two and two. So let, let that boil in your brain a little bit. And I'm not trying to bring anyone down. Again, it was it was a solid win. I like how they bounce back. Let me get into the third one, the third M factor, and that is playing some of the younger guys at positions that they can actually make a difference. I mentioned Dax Hill. Finally, I will get into this right now. So let's let's get into some of the post-game stories. First and foremost, the headline, Harbaugh praise uh, Dax Hill and a couple of the other younger guys that showed some great speed in his uh, Monday press conference, which I, I mean, I would recommend you guys all listen to, but it is very boring. Harbaugh is still just one of the worst interviewees of all time. Oh, it's, it's, it's hard to listen to, but if you want, I mean, you're not going to get really any information, but this was really interesting to me. That's why I made it a, a full topic and a full, basically full page of notes on Harbaugh praising Dax Hill. And this, I mean, we knew this Hill runs a four, 340 guys a 43 that's one of the fastest in in the in college football we know these guys run the wide how does how was this not noticed during the eight months prior to the season this is exactly what we thought we were going to see at that middle tennessee game against army and then we thought, okay, maybe they're just hiding it for the Big Ten schedule. Then they go into Wisconsin, just get embarrassed. Actually, we look slower against Wisconsin than we did against Army and Middle Tennessee. Granted, Wisconsin's obviously a Big Ten powerhouse, and this might be one of the best Wisconsin teams ever, and or so I've heard from many, many sports analysts. But come on, you got you cannot tell me that is coaching, folks. That is coaching. You cannot tell me that this was not noticed. Eight months prior to the season, this is Harbaugh and his his stubbornness to want to play the older guys, the older tough guys, right? The mid eighties typical typical athletes that put in their time. I'll get into that in a little bit, so I don't want to I don't want to spoil it much. But let's I mean, Hill runs a four three forty. The other there's they got four five star athletes on this team, guys. Old school hardball attitude with playing these tough, work hard upperclassmen that have earned their time, right? I really think that's what Harbaugh thinks is these guys earn their time. I still think he has that in the back of his mind. And that's pretty much been his MO. I mean, the only guy that I can really think of that he really utilized his speed was Jabril Peppers, right? And it took him a little bit. It took him a little bit to to really notice. It wasn't until Harbaugh's what second season where he really utilized Peppers' speed. And thank goodness that he did because look how great it was. On offense, you put you put Peppers in there on offense, and guess what? He almost scored every time he touched the ball, right? At least it was a positive play almost every time. You can't you can't argue with that. This is what we're looking for all season and expected with these four or five star athletes coming into Michigan. I mean, what the heck? 
they, they've had these athletes coming in here since Harbaugh's what second. Remember when he had uh, the the stars, the the signing of the stars. Those were four or five star athletes coming in. Where's their speed? Where's their development? Where's their utilization of the speed? I guarantee they didn't lose it. We saw a little bit of that Dax Hill hit on special teams. That was incredible. Good for him. I know it takes these guys a little bit to to understand the offense, understand the defense, but still. The time is now, Harbaugh. The time is now, Coach. We need to have speed. That is all there is to it. It was the knock at the end of last year. It was the knock all offseason, and it was the knock against Middle Tennessee. It was the knock against Army. And then we thought, okay, here it comes against Wisconsin. Boom. It was worse. It seemed worse. And then finally we get to see a little bit of it against Rutgers, and I underline Rutgers, right? This weekend against Iowa is so telling to whether whether Michigan has learned their lesson, whether the coaching staff has learned their lesson. I don't care if these guys have put in their time. It's time. Put. I don't care if the upperclassmen have put in their time. Yeah, that's typical traditional Michigan, right? That's the tr- typical Wolverine football. We got to change. Remember how many episodes have we discussed it? Adaptation. Adapt to the current college football environment. Ohio State's done it. Look at them just steamrolling people. Alabama obviously has done it. Clemson, Auburn, Wisconsin looked faster than us. Wisconsin looked faster than us. The typical running team looked faster than us and more athletic. Are you kidding me? So this, I'm so curious about this Saturday when we actually play a quality opponent again and see, I'm very excited about it actually. Uh, Gaddis, uh, second, second headline was Gaddis was finally on the sideline. First of all, why wasn't Gaddis? Why wasn't Gaddis on the sideline all year? I hate that. Why was why was it Gaddis was brought? Uh, why and, and how was it our our offensive coordinator brought intensity to the sideline? You see him last weekend. I thought it was great. I thought it was great. He was getting in people's faces. He was hyped every touchdown. He was hyped even at the end of the game, or, or towards the end of the game. You know, fourth quarter we scored fourteen points, so he was hyped on that. That is the energy that that sideline needed. Everyone saw it against Wisconsin. Everyone saw it against Army. Everyone saw it against Middle Tennessee. They just did not look intense. They did not look motivated. They looked like zombies over there. And Gaddis brought a little bit of intensity to the sideline, but that's not his job. That's Harbaugh. That's on Harbaugh. Harbaugh was one of the most emotional slash energetic players when he played in college and then when he played in the pros. Go look at some tape of him coaching at Stanford. Go look at some tape of him coaching at San Francisco in the pros. And we're talking coaching then. As a player, obviously, everyone knows how intense he was. But where's that been while he's coaching at Michigan? You just don't see it. Maybe he's a little beat down from all those all those little hardballs running around at home. I know those can uh, – well, I don't know personally, but I'm sure those can be uh, – he just had his youngest, what, uh, a year and a half ago, two years ago? And, uh, of course, he's getting a little older, but still – I mean, you're hired at Michigan. You got to be intense. I know it's not Michigan coaching MO. I mean, even Rich Rod, Brady Hoke, you know, Lloyd was one of the dullest of all time. I think there was a reason why Gary Moeller could have been one of our greatest coaches uh, if he wasn't uh, if he wasn't fired for some off-the-field activities. But I think Gary Moeller could have been one of our greatest coaches because of his intensity. He was fired up all the time. It was great. It was good to see. And I was a young buck at the time, and I was like, wow, he looks totally different than most of our other coaches that I've watched, even though I hadn't watched many at that time. But still, from then on, I've seen Lloyd Carr be dull. I've seen 
Rich Rod be dull. I've seen pretty Hogue be dull. And now I'm seeing Harbaugh, one of the most intense guys. I thought that's why we brought him in was to be intense around the, the youngins and, and get in their faces and be hyped when we actually do something good. Uh, I mean, geez, Urban Meyer was has multiple health problems and he still was up and just crazy sometimes. So there's, there's no excuse. If he can't do it, then it's tough to say, but uh, you give it to Gaddison. And that's exactly what Gaddis did. So really, this was really needed. I'm not sure why this doesn't happen more often. I feel coordinators need to be on the sideline to show the intensity in front of the team. You could really see that he was, that Gaddis was taking control of the offense. Again, what we expected at the start of the season. This is what we were promised, right? That Gaddis would come in, Harbaugh would have his hands off of the offense. Well, I'll tell you what, it really didn't look like that. Gaddis and Harbaugh got into it a little bit on the sideline multiple times last Saturday. I don't like this because if Gaddis is, if, if Gaddis is really calling, or if Gaddis is call, then if it is Gaddis's call, then there should not be an apparent power struggle between the two, right? At the end of the day, it's still a Harbaugh's team, so it's on Harbaugh if uh, if the offense looks terrible or if the defense looks terrible. The, the the offense, I really like the call plays on Saturday, so hopefully that was Gaddis taking over. But I, I really did. I like the aggressiveness, and I like, I like that statement because you can say that against any team. I don't care if it's a scrimmage. I don't care if it's against Rutgers. I don't care if it really is against a high school team. You can always say, I like the aggressiveness. I like the play calls that were occurring, you know, because you, you can't really put a, a an actual measurement to that. You can just say, you know what? I liked where the offense was going on, on the, on Saturday. So that uh, it's, it's just, they're going to need that. They're going to need that the rest of the season. Obviously Rutgers is the worst team they'll play all year. They only scored 52, and like I said, the stats just weren't that good. But speaking of the rest of the Big Ten schedule, let's do a quick rundown of the league. After week five, the only real big game that was on was OSU versus Nebraska, which it turns out not to be. Ohio State just destroyed them 48-7. to And the I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, and this pains me to say, the Buckeyes are looking pretty insane. I don't think anyone can argue that. I, I don't want to dwell on that a lot right now because it's still kind of early. You know, we're getting to the midpoint of the season, but they they just look unstoppable. Let's do a quick rundown of the rest of the league. Penn State destroyed Maryland 59-0. Of course, improved to 4-0. Boy, Maryland really, really leveled off after their first two blowouts of the season scoring over 70 points and now they just can't seem to get it together. Wisconsin with a, a little bit of a letdown game, but squeaks by Northwestern 25 15 also moving to four and Iowa improves to four and with a 48 to three win over middle Tennessee state. So they, you know, we're pretty close to their, obviously Iowa's defense allowed a little less, but uh, you know, in terms of offensive power, it looked pretty even, that's why the spread is what I think it is, and I'll get into that a little bit for this Saturday. MSU defense just looks soft and weak, thank goodness, because everyone's been praising them all season, but escaped with a 40-31 to win over Indiana, and that was in East Lansing, folks, on a on a probably, oh, probably a crappy Saturday, so uh, the weather must have been kind of bad here in Michigan. Minnesota still unbeaten after beating a oh just Purdue just a very disappointing team this year 
Talk about probably the biggest disappointment in the Big Ten is Purdue. Assuming Michigan doesn't lose five, six games, but Purdue just, ugh, just they go down to Minnesota 38-31. to 31. So quick rundown of the top 25. Ohio State is now number four in the country. Rightfully so. I mean, they could. There's a lot of people that have them at number two, if not number one, based on their performances this season. Wisconsin at number eight, legit there. Penn State number twelve. Iowa at fourteen. Michigan actually moved up one. I don't know how after beating Rutgers, but Michigan moves up number one. Or pardon me, moves up one to number nineteen. And Sparty still hovering at twenty five. Now Sparty, there's there's a big one in Columbus this Saturday. Well, I mean, supposedly, but I don't see it really being a game. And that leads me to this week's rival annoyance. Okay, so Sparty is heading down to Columbus this Saturday for that prime time game against the Buckeyes. Now, honestly, I think I get annoyed every year when this game comes around, considering I can't stand these teams. Of course, they're both rivals of Michigan. Ohio State is obviously more relevant. Sparty, I've never considered you relevant ever in my life as Michigan rival. But I am extremely annoyed with Sparty Nation. I don't know where this came from, guys. Sparty Nation thinking they have a chance in this one. An honest chance. I've I've reviewed like every game this season for Sparty. Are you telling me that you think you have a chance to hang with Ohio State? It, even come close to hanging with the Bucks. Hold up. Let's let's take a look at the season again. We'll review it again for Michigan State. I know you Sparty fans seem to have amnesia. Tulsa, terrible. You looked awful. I mean, you did win 28 to 7, so good job. Western Michigan might be the only game that you guys actually look legit. Well, Lewerke had like what, 314 or something like that? And your boy Collins had a decent game running. Western Michigan. You notice how I always say Rutgers. I'm not bragging about this win, guys. Western Michigan. You lose to Arizona State at home. Tulsa at home. Western at home. Arizona State at home. Indiana at home. You guys, oh, you, oh wait. You lose to Arizona State. You, I mean, you look like crap against Northwestern, but Northwestern might be the, the second biggest disappointment this year in the Big Ten. And then it takes you to what? A couple minutes left in the game to beat Indiana? Was that it? I mean, in, in 40 to 31 at home. Oh my goodness. And let's uh, let I don't even want to look at Ohio State scores cuz obviously it doesn't matter. They've won by 100 every game. It doesn't matter. I've heard Sparty Sport Report Sport reporters basically stating that if they win this one that it is a solid clear wide open road to Indianapolis. Unbelievable. Unbelievable that they're actually saying that right now. These are sports reporters, guys. These are people that know. I do a podcast. They know a lot more than I do about this, and you got to be kidding me. I know I'm very biased, but do you honestly think that even if Sparty even ugh, even comes close to winning this game, do you really think that that makes them a good team? I mean, they always play Ohio State relatively tough, right? Except for last year, they got blown out at home. Don't forget. I've now I've also heard non or uh, realistic non-biased sports reporters that say the only chance that Michigan State has is if OSU turns the ball over like seven times or some really close calls or controversial calls happen to go Sparty's way. But I don't know. The fact that it's at the horseshoe, I don't see that happening. Uh, OSU is favored by, I think it's 19 and a half now. It was like 21 earlier this earlier in the week. But I, I really hope that 
honestly, I really hope the Buckeyes win by more because I cannot take the Sparty Nation nonsense again. I just can't take it. I have to hear them all the time, and I, I really dislike Ohio State much more, but I, I know I know I get a lot of flack for not rooting for a Michigan team when they play Ohio State, but we all know why that is. If you've happened to listen to any of the M Factor podcast, most of the time our rival annoyances is about Michigan State, and this is exactly why, just the absolute annoyance of the fans, of the fans and still thinking that they are relevant. There's no way that you go into Ohio State this year and beat them. I, I, I wish someone I wish someone would give me a bet, but unfortunately this isn't live. I, I wish someone would give me a bet because I'll take it. I will take it. There's not a chance. So that will round out this week's rival annoyance. <laughs> Okay, let's let's get into the real game of the weekend, and that is, of course, Michigan taking on Iowa this Saturday, homecoming in Ann Arbor. That's this Saturday, noon on Fox, national TV, national implications. I'm not so sure national championship anymore, but obviously huge Big Ten championship implications. So just a monstrous game. Actually, heading there with with the girlfriend for her first game at the big house, so I'm extra excited for her to see the best college football, if not the best stadium in the world. Extra excited for this one. Hopefully, the weather is decent, but it won't matter because it's a big one. The crowd will be rocking. I'm sure Michigan is somehow favored by what three and a half still currently with a 62.1 percent chance to win, according to ESPN. Now. Iowa has won five of the last six meetings, including that heartbreaker a few years ago in Iowa with the Hawkeyes winning 14-13, making that Ohio State game the Big Ten East decider. And we all know how that one ended with Spate and oh, just heartbreaking, the, the fourth and one, oh, just terrible. This is also why I've, I've always made the argument that Iowa is kind of more of a rival than Sparty simply because if you want to go by just wins and losses in the last, you know, 10 years, take a look at that record. I mean, the Hawkeyes have just owned us. Uh, obviously, Sparty is a, is more of a rival just because they're our in-state rival. They always will be. They always have been. But I'm just saying you could kind of make the argument. Now, I've never actually had real beef with Iowa, especially when they have probably one of the greatest traditions in college fo- football where, uh, oh, it's just incredible. We're all, I'm sure most of you have seen it, all of Kinnick Stadium waves to the children at the neighboring children's hospital, and it's just amazing and great job by Iowa on that one. It just just goosebumps every time that I see it. Uh, great, just uh, you know, you feel still feel bad for the kids, but what an what what a great job by by the 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 athletic department there to make that for for the kids over there. Uh, moving on though, now it's, it, it's, uh, as I mentioned in the opener, it is a contender or pretender game for both teams. Michigan loses. I'm only going to go over Michigan, but Michigan loses. And it just shows that nothing has changed. Again, we beat Rutgers folks. Let's not forget that. It just shows that nothing has changed. And we're back to the old school Harbaugh offense, conservative, no guts, no speed in space that we were promised. Don't forget folks. We were promised this. And honestly, they lose to Iowa, and that's an easy five or six loss season because I don't see us. I, who who do you see us beating? 
you know, what look at look at the rest of the the season for Michigan after that. You got you got Illinois, which is probably a win, but who knows? It's on the road in the Big Ten. I don't see us losing to Illinois. Penn State, that would be a loss. Notre Dame, that'd be a loss. Maryland, probably a win. Michigan State, ugh, I hate to say it, but that'll probably be a loss. Indiana's always sketchy. Even if it's at home, Indiana is always a sketchy squad. So that could be a loss. And then you got Ohio State. Not a chance, guys. Right now, even I don't I don't know if uh even if we play really well against Iowa that we even have a shot against Ohio State. Luckily it's at home, so hopefully it keeps the score down a little bit. But Michigan's gonna really have to step it up and show me something over the next couple of weeks to show me that they, they can really even contend with, I mean, geez, even Penn State and Notre Dame. Notre Dame's looking really good. Their only loss, of course, at Georgia, and that was barely. And George, many consider Georgia one of the best teams in the country. So that, that game scares me a lot. Uh, it, it, now let's, let's flip the pages, though. What if they win and they remain on pace with a possible 10-win season? It all depends on how they look. And, of course, that, rem, that keeps them in the hunt for the Big Ten East. And it just really depends on how they look. If they win, but if they win ugly, it's still going to scare me. Iowa's a great team. Oh, not a great team, but a good team. It's still going to scare me, though. We need we need them to play well. Now, I don't know if they will, though. So that's what kind of scares me about my pick. My pick is 24-21 in favor of Michigan. Yes, it's a win. And yes, I will gladly take it. But I just want them to show me that they play well. That's all. No turnovers. How about this? Limit. Give me. Give me zero turnovers and a twenty-four twenty-one win, and a defense that actually. You know, maybe we allow uh, some sort of mistake. You know, a big play or something that gives them the twenty-one. Obviously, I don't want to see that. But give me a twenty-four twenty-one win. Zero turnovers. Limit the mistakes. Show me that you are improving. That's the big thing. I just want to see improvement. I'm sure all of you feel the same way. I, I give them a twenty-four twenty-one edge simply because one, they're at home. I think Iowa is a little overrated. You know, they almost lost to Iowa State. They should have lost to Iowa State. I am a little worried, but I just know that the big house is going to be rocking this Saturday, regardless of the weather. Like I mentioned, it's homecoming. Let's not forget that. And it's still Michigan at the big house. Harbaugh is very good at the big house, especially against ranked opponents. Uh, I think, uh, but, I mean, you know, Michigan State has been in there a couple times, a few fluke plays they've won but other than that Michigan's looked pretty solid obviously except for against Ohio State under the Harbaugh regime but this weekend I do think Michigan prevails barely barely like I said all I want is for them to look good I want them to show improvement that's it that's all I want uh I don't want to obviously I want to win but as long as they improve and they can show me that they are taking steps in the right direction and continue from that Rutgers game in terms of play calling, in terms of intensity, in terms of not making huge mistakes and turnovers. They only had one turnover, so it was just that interception. And stay healthy, don't get injured. That is the big ones for this weekend. And that will conclude this week's M Factor. Again, make sure to head on over to Apple Podcast, Google Play, or SoundCloud and subscribe to the M Factor. Leave us a review. The five-star rating always helps us in the rankings. Be sure to tell your friends, family, and any Michigan fan or non-Michigan fan about the podcast. I know a couple non-Michigan fans that listen to it, and I appreciate that. I really pr- appreciate the support from you guys. 
Have a great, safe weekend, everyone. Enjoy game five. Let's take down the Hawkeyes. If you are heading to the game, hey, who knows? Maybe we'll see you there. Say hi to me if you know me. Be safe. Have fun. If not, noon on Fox. Make sure to tune in. We'll be back here next Thursday, as always. So thanks for listening, you guys. I am Adam Amble, and this is the M Factor. Go Blue. We'll be right back.